don't care what Rex Tillerson said, Gavin. You don't get to call your boss a moron. Ass. The following podcast contains... Hey, so dirty. It's no wonder no one listens to your show, David. It's awful. It's awful. So much cursing and the Schwanz jokes. No one wants to hear that. Shaggy Green never needed to work blue. Neither do you. People will like you for you. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided you'd rather watch people die than pass a stupid law? What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, October 6th, 2017, Better Dead Than Legislated edition of the show, where we talk about why innocent people have to die so our country can be free. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Kinney's House of Kevlar, fashion and protection blended into your wardrobe. It's a dangerous world out there and Kinney's House of Kevlar wants you to know you can be safe and look good. Pairing the latest New York designs with cutting-edge and bullet-resistant fabrics, Kenny's creates beautiful fashions for all occasions and all ages. Our level 5 rompers are perfect for first day of school. Our blonde and ballistic line are made for the runway and the nightclub. Kenny's House of Kevlar is proud to announce our new Brute Bulletproof Bridal line. Be safe as you walk down the aisle in a beautiful Kenny's Bridal gown. Style and safety because the world is full of whack jobs. Why not protect yourself since no one else will? Use the promo code that GOP wants to kill me and get a level 5 trauma plate free with a purchase of $500 or more. Die. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! If there's one thing I've learned, it's that Chris Christopherson was right when he wrote that freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And nothing is worth nothing if it ain't free. And feeling good was easy, Lord, when Bobby sang the blues. And feeling good was good enough for me. Pod friends, I commend you to feeling good. Because you've got so much fucking freedom right now, it just might kill you. Freedom. Because America is busting out with so much fucking freedom right now, that freedom killed 59 people and wounded over 500 more. America! I don't know about you, but I don't know how much more freedom I can fucking stand. Unless you live under a rock, and if you do, could, could you tell me if there's any vacancies at a neighboring rock because I'm thinking about moving into one? You're probably well aware that a fellow by the name of Stephen Paddock whipped out his old glory and spewed freedom all over an open-air country music concert Sunday night in Las Vegas. How went that to see the country music? No one does, son. No one does. Country music is supposed to inspire you to drink and be alternatively rowdy or sad and depressed, depending on the status of your woman. Not make you run screaming for your fucking life. That's what black metal music is for. Still, that's exactly what happened when Paddock opened fire from a 30-second story window with an arsenal. You know how sometimes we use words like arsenal when we really mean like dude had two or three guns? This is not one of those times. 
This motherfucker had 23 guns with him in his hotel room, and that's a fucking arsenal by anybody's standards. Many apatic guns were also modified for automatic fire. But wait, Dave, I hear you say, isn't that illegal? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, it's illegal to own an unlicensed automatic weapon, sure, but it's not illegal to own a modified weapon that completely replicates the effect of being automatic without actually being an automatic weapon. So, you know, you could shoot hundreds of rounds a minute, but still be legal in case, I don't know, you're, you're attacked by thousands of deers on a fucking hunting trip. Paddock fired hundreds, perhaps thousands of rounds into the crowd over almost an hour, but then he killed himself after police blew open his door. And with this act, Stephen Paddock Don't say his name, fool. takes what is an increasingly ephemeral title in America, the largest mass shooter in the history of the United States. Based on current trends, he should hold that about a year, because even as we speak, there's some fucker out there amassing his arsenal, plotting his methods, and saying to himself, Whatever crazy shit you did, I bet I can top it. Because this is America, and there's nothing we can't do with enough guns, ammunition, and sociopathic go-for-it spirit. This event kicked off, of course, the national mass shooting protocol to which we all adhere because when you live in a nation where this happens as often as this does, you really need a standardized plan. Day one is, of course, thoughts and prayers where we as a nation gather together and think really hard about ways to do nothing about mass shootings and pray to a fictional sky deity that mass shootings just somehow stop on their own. Day two, we boldly proclaim this is not the time to politicize the tragedy, and we discuss doing something about all those other mass shootings some other time. That other time is preferably never. Day three is Think Peace Day, where learned scholars on both sides of the political aisle write thoughtful essays on why it's so important we do something or nothing that will or won't keep this from ever happening again. Day four is Funeral Day, where cable news runs twitching stories about the victims along with highly speculative pieces about the motives of the shooter. And then on day five, the president tweets about a matter unrelated to the shooting, but still incredibly thoughtless and infuriating, and the NRA flips the switch on the national countdown clocks until the next mass shooting. Have a plan, stick to it. We will not, of course, actually discuss in any meaningful way why this happened, how this nice white man was able to amass nearly 50 guns, thousands of rounds of ammunition, automatic modifiers, and yes, oh yes, of course, some explosives, without anyone saying, wow, that's an awful lot of firepower even by American standards. ...are lax enough to accept a horse. The shooter had never been in trouble with the law, had no record of mental illness, not served in the military, and according to his brother, he wasn't even a gun guy. You know, a gun guy, the kind of dickheads that talks about guns all the fucking time, straps on a pistol when he goes to take a shit in case someone breaks in to create another crapper and steals his goddamn roll of Charmin. This guy was a fucking accountant. He used to work for the IRS and was supposedly a millionaire. He does not fit the idea we've developed of what a mass shooter is supposed to be, which is fucking stupid because he's exactly what 99% of all mass shooters are, a fucking white dude with a shit ton of guns. These guys really fit the profile. Which is what makes it so hard to figure out who is going to do these sort of things. Because if there's one thing this nation has an abundance of, it's not common sense, restraint, good judgment, a blounds, views of laws and freedoms, but it is fucking white dudes and fucking guns. The country was built by white dudes with guns. It's run by white dudes with guns. And no one's going to come along saying that white dudes with guns are all of a sudden a bad thing. Even if they just did kill and wound more people in one hour than died or were wounded 
at the second battle of Fallujah in nine days. And that was during a fucking war. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with light from above. I'm sorry, sometimes when I get so patriotic, I I just break into song. Details are emerging about the shooter, his life leading up to the shooting, his relationships, that his father was a notorious bank robber. None of them seem to show connections with an ideology, politics, foreign terrorist, or even him being a fan of violent video games, which rules out the big excuses we like to make when a white man does what white men do. At some point in time, we may find a Unabomber-type manifesto or learn that Wrangler butts really did drive him nuts, but it's equally possible we may never know why the cheese slipped off his cracker. But I can tell you one thing right now, we do know exactly how he was able to do it. Ooh, Yep. Dude was able to white guy all those people with high velocity fucking liberty because America is awash in motherfucking freedom machines. But, you know, we're not allowed to talk about that. No, 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 no. That's taboo, awfully verboten, in poor taste, distasteful, and not for public consumption. We, and I mean all of us Americans, are simply not supposed to discuss the inescapable fact that there is close to a gun for every single man, woman, and child in this country, and that those guns are owned by slightly less than half the population. But half of all the guns that are owned by less than half of the population are owned by just 3% of those fucking people. 3% of the population. That is a lot of fucking guns in a very few hands. Who are those 3%? Allow me to quote from Kurt Anderson's book, Fantasyland, How America Went Off the Rails. Quote, today, only about a quarter of Americans own guns, but the average owner has three or four. Fewer than 8 million people, only 3% of all American adults, own roughly half the guns. Members of that tiny minority of super enthusiasts own an average of 17 guns apiece. Let me put a finer point on what I'm saying. Very, very few of the guns in America are used for huntings. Americans who own guns today keep arsenals in the way people did not 40 years ago. It seems plain to me that that's because they, not all, but many, have given themselves over to fantasies, unquote. And what is that fantasy Kurt Anderson is talking about? That the government is going to come and take their guns. Americans have a lot of guns, but only a few Americans are hoarding the guns like crazy old cat ladies hoard cats. Except that no crazy old cat lady ever climbed up on a clock tower and started hurling cats at the people below. And we're also not allowed to bring up that just the mere fact of owning a gun makes it exponentially more likely that you will be injured or killed by a gun. A lot of people really fucking hate that logic. But you know, if you don't own a fucking car, you're also fucking less likely to die in an automobile accident. But again, we're not allowed to discuss things like that because if we did, some people might start thinking that all the guns might not be the best way to keep the country safe. And that's what this is all about, right? Keeping America safe for democracy. 
We need these guns to keep us safe from tyranny. And if a bunch of dead children in their classrooms or some people that have goddamn cowboy hats doing the boot scoot on the Las Vegas Strip are the price we have to pay for flags, moms, the pie, the baseball, the troops, and freedom for white people to own guns, then that is the price that we, as Americans, must pay. From the mountains, to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home. I'm sorry, my dick just got so hard for America, it's the only way I can make my erection go away. Get help. I'm not alone in loving America so much that I'm willing to do such amazingly fucking stupid things like sing or make an ass out of myself. I mean, Brandon Morris over at redstate.com wrote something so fucking moronic he really ought to be institutionalized when he said, quote, we want our freedoms more than we want this safety. His embellishment. We cherish free will and liberty over restriction and regulation. We do this in full understanding that freedom comes with risk and no guarantees. Freedom is being able to possess available firearms for self-defense while also meaning someone else can legitimately or illegitimately get it for nefarious purposes. We want to be able to buy that sugary drink because we want to enjoy a treat or smoke that cigarette because we want to relax, knowing that it's not good for us, but are willing to accept the consequences anyway. It's our right to do so. We also want to allow our kids to explore the neighborhood freely and gain a sense of independence and life experience, knowing full well that there are those out there who would do them harm. We accept that freedom is dangerous. We accept that misfortune may befall us, that our decisions may hurt us. We accept that people may Maybe me, maybe you, maybe someone we love will die. But we accept these freedoms because we know the benefits of freedom vastly outweigh the dangers, unquote. Well, gee, Brandon, why didn't I think of writing that? Of course, you know, you're full of fucking shit because that sugary drink, that cigarette, that wandering the neighborhood are all fucking limited for the safety of others, you dim-witted cock. We live in a country where we regularly impose regulations on the safety for the general public. Have you seen a fucking speed limit sign, you shitheaded cretin? You do not get to do whatever the fuck you want if it threatens other people's safety. Do you want, you dribble-headed dolt, to let me move into the house next door to you, you fucking turd-brained, mouth-breathing shitbag, where I will play Copacabana on a wall of speakers cranked up to 11, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I am free in my own home to do just that? Or we see how fast you get on the phone to the fucking cops to interfere with my freedom to be free. So I guess freedom is just another word for not doing shit that bothers other people, right? You know what bothers me? Motherfucking being shot by some white guy with a hard-on for black guns and a hate for black people. But I know, you gun people, you're, you're right now, you're, you're, you're all in a tizzy, but you really shouldn't worry. Because no one's coming for your guns. I mean, if killing first graders in the classrooms couldn't do it, a massacre at a country music show is nothing. In fact, chances are good you will be able to get even more guns even easier now. 
Because if history is our guide, a slew of people who are brought, bought and paid for by the NRA, like prostitutes on the strip, will pass open carry laws and lift restrictions on magazine size, along with a number of other neat new laws to make guns more prevalent in our gun-saturated culture. David from The Atlantic wrote on Tuesday, quote, since Newtown, more than two dozen states have expanded the right to carry into previously unknown places. Bars, churches, schools, college campuses, and so on. The most ambitious of these laws was adopted in Georgia in April 2014. Among other provisions, it allows guns to be carried into airports right up to federal TSA checkpoints, unquote. So you shouldn't worry at all. Not only will we not take your guns away, we'll probably just start handing out guns at birth because you do not want to be unarmed in your crib. You never know what some crazy white dude with a fucking AK-47 will start shooting up the fucking nursery. Am I right? Americans love their guns. They love them so much that no one can even imagine taking them away. Why, I mean, we all know that passing laws forbidding things never works except for abortions, gay marriage, forcing people to pray in school, and acknowledging Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior as the one true God, those laws totally work. But hell, I mean, Americans love cars almost as much as they love booze and guns. And a lot of people die in their cars, often with booze involved. But we don't ban cars or booze. But you know what we do do? Impose common sense limits on them. Which brings us to our way back. Find your way back! Find your way back to a heart. Find your way back. Find your way back to a heart. On May 3, 1980, Carrie Leitner was walking to a church carnival with her friend when she was struck by a car. The driver fled the scene, leaving 13-year-old Carrie Leitner dead at the scene. When, Car when the police located the driver, he was shit-faced drunk. And nor was it the first time he'd been stopped for driving under the influence. But you know what the cops told Carrie's mother, Candy Leitner? There was basically no chance of the driver receiving much more punishment for the death of her daughter because the laws against drunk driving didn't really provide for it. Well, now, that is some fucked up shit. Candy thought so, too. Do you know what she did? Well, you probably don't, but she had a direct impact on the way most of your lives are lived because it's thanks to Candy Leitner that your teenage years are way more difficult than they were for your parents. Candy Leitner would go on to found one of the most effective grassroots advocacy groups in American history. Quote from her bio, Four days after Carrie's death, Leitner started the grassroots organization to advocate for stiffer penalties and drunk driving. She quit her job and used her savings to fund Mothers Against Drunk Driving Drivers later known as Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Before starting MAD, Leitner had been uninvolved in social reform or politics. She said, quote, I wasn't even registered to vote. MAD changed how people thought about drinking and driving in this country. It produced incredible results, and it did so quickly because how can you look at a mother who lost her child in her eyes and tell her to fuck off because, you know, you need to get your car home from the bar? According to the National Institute of Health, in 1970, 60% of traffic deaths and two-thirds of all traffic fatalities between the ages of 16 and 20 were because of drinking and driving. By the year 2000s, those numbers were cut in half, saving an estimated 150,000 lives. How did this happen? Did they ban booze or outlaw cars? No. 
Mad lobbied local, state, and federal governments to enact stronger punishments against drunk driving. DUIs in the 70s was a ticket, and if you were an asshole, and a ride home. By the mid-1990s, it was a big fucking deal. You went to jail, you paid a fine, you lost your license for a year. DUI went from a ticket to a life-altering experience if you were caught. It didn't stop everyone from drinking and driving, but it cut the number of people dying dramatically. It, <laughs> mad, mad understood that you don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And you know what? Congress took a look at who was dying the most from DUIs, and they actually did something about it. And what they did fucking sucked. I mean, for me personally, because it impacted my life, what Congress did was raise the minimum drinking age from 18 to 21. You son of a bitches! <laughs> oh, they... Oh, they got away with it. They got away with it good. I waited all my teenage years just to buy a beer, and they took it away from me before, you know, six months before I could get there. It wasn't fair. I'd done my time. I was serving in the military. I should be able to buy a beer. You maniac! You see, in 1971, the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age to 18, so most states thought reasonably that if you were old enough to vote and old enough to die for your country, you were old enough to drink and lower the drinking age to 18. But, as we noted, a lot of young people were dying and something needed to be done, so Congress passed the National Minimum Drinking Age Act. So it told the states to raise their drinking age to 21, or the feds would cut off just 10% of their highway funding. Faced with angry teens who rarely, if ever, vote, or angry middle-aged people who drive and vote a lot, the choice was simple, and one state after the another began raising the drinking age. And you know, it wasn't without convert controversy, and not just from angry teenagers who now had to go find a pliable dude to buy their beer, which was there on every corner. Conservatives did not like the federal government telling states what they could or could not do, or holding the funds over their head to force them to do it. South Dakota, a state where there is literally nothing to do but drink, sued, and then the Supreme Court ruled in 1987 that the feds could do exactly what they did. And let me tell you, we teenagers in the 80s hated mad the way a fat kid hates lettuce. They were just as bad as on, in our eyes as the Parental Music Resource Council who were getting all up in our music. We moaned and complained and pointed out that really we could get beer whenever we wanted, and we did, so why even bother to pass the law that no one was enforcing? I mean, I don't get, I don't get, I didn't have a single problem getting booze if I wanted it before I turned 21, to the point that when I literally did turn 21 and proudly presented my driver's license at midnight on my 21st birthday, for my first legal beer purchase, the clerk just looked at me, rolled her eyes, and pushed it away and said, yeah, 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 we kind of thought that that might be the case. And this was on an Air Force base. It's not subtle. It really isn't. But you know what did happen? Deaths of kids between 16 and 20 due to drunk driving plummeted. They dropped by over half. Did we stop drinking? No. Did we stop driving? No. Because, but what we did do was stop drinking and driving because you've got caught with even a drop of alcohol in your system underage behind the wheel. You were charged with DUI. It wasn't worth it. We stayed home. Plus, the culture changed. Before MAD, drunk driving was an annoyance. After MAD... Such a moral push, isn't there in this country? To try and get us to behave. Don't fucking drink and drive. 
God, they have made such a big fucking deal about this, haven't they? It didn't used to be such a big fucking deal. You had a few drinks, you drove home. Now you're a dick, you know? Now you're a fucking asshole. Child killer, child killer! Attempted manslaughter, attempted manslaughter! You know, like you're going out to your car to go, boy, I sure hope I slide into a family of six tonight! Woo! I bet you I can pass out before I make the stoplight! Today, DUIs are a social taboo. I mean, yeah, sure, people still do it, but if you're gonna do it, you know you're gonna get shit even if you don't get caught by the cops. Mad changed the law, and they changed how people thought about drinking and driving. Because we love booze, and we love our cars, but we don't love them enough to look a mother in the eye after her child was killed in a DUI and say, well, you know, people have a right to drink, they've got a right to drive, and there's not a lot we can do about it. But apparently, we are okay fucking doing that when a mother's child is killed by a gun. Because that's exactly what gun advocates did after Sandy Hook. And you know what? Somewhere out there is the right person at the right moment to change America's mind about guns. A candy lightener just waiting for a tragedy to strike. This being America, it shouldn't take too much longer. Gun reform will not come from the top down. It has to come from the bottom up. People need to want this to stop. They need to see it doesn't need to happen. We need to be the kind of society that doesn't live with some jacked up white dude with a trunk full of guns made for the military to come along and kill a few hundred people. If we can just give up the fun of getting shit-faced and driving home from the bar, surely we can give up the fun of killing random strangers with a high-powered semi-automatic rifle. But I get it. Guns are complicated. They're a part of who we are as Americans. They're baked right into the founding documents of our country. You know, along with owning black people. But we got rid of that part, at least on paper, because some of us knew it was wrong. Surely we can reach some sort of compromise like that with guns? To all the responsible gun owners out there who are fucking pissed at me for insinuating that guns are not the best thing since fucking Pop Rocks and believe you need your arsenals to defend your fucking freedom, just take a chill pill, fuckers. We're not coming for your guns. It's not gonna happen. Not gonna do it. But fuck me, you gotta give us something. You don't need 100-round magazines and bump stocks. You are not in the central fucking highlands fighting the NVA, motherfucker. Fuckers, you're shooting paper targets at a firing range. You don't even really need a semiotic rifle at all. You want one, you think it looks cool, but you don't need it. And people are dying because something that looks cool is incredibly fucking stupid. Just like people dying because you had to take your car to the bar instead of drinking a bar across the street from your house. Asshole! No one should die so you could be cool or lazy or whatever your fucking excuse is. You can still have your freedom. You just can't spew your fucking freedom at 900 rounds a minute. Because this is America. God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Fuck, shit, I'm sorry, I wasn't going to do that anymore. I guess maybe it's because I hear some gun owners, gun owners sounding like the drunks who wanted to get their cars home. 
And I say this as a fucking moron who used to drink and drive. Oh, I'm a good driver. I'm so careful that if I had a few drinks I can handle, then I've been doing it for years. Who are you to tell me I can't drive? I paid my taxes, I bought my car, I'm legally allowed to drink. I'm sick and tired of the government telling me what I can and can't do. And you know what? Most of the times, you're right. You can drive home. You don't hurt anyone. Right up to the time you drive over a fucking little girl walking to a church festival or slide into a family of six on their way home from Applebee's or drive your car into an old lady's bedrooms. The difference is in numbers. Even if you get shit-faced and drive your car into a crowd, what happens, it happens a lot. But, you know, this shithead in Vegas racked up close to 700 people with his legal guns. Maybe, just maybe, you can call an Uber and maybe, just maybe, we can have some common sense fucking gun laws that only gets, you know, a dozen people hurt or killed versus a couple of hundred. Baby steps, motherfuckers. Baby steps. That is it for our show this week. This has been one of the shittiest weeks I can think of in a long fucking time. I mean, I have not literally felt this bad since the elections. One of my friends from college died way too young. Trump is in Puerto Rico tossing paper towels and insulting people while they died. Maniacs are shooting up country music shows. And then fucking Tom Petty dies. How much can America stand before we break? Not much more. I tell you. Tell you. So do all the things that I always ask you to do every week. And then listen to this Tom Petty song. Because you can stand us up at the gates of hell. And we won't back down. We'll see you all next week. Shouldn't